Welcome to God is Open. I am your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we are going to be doing a debate review. We're going to be watching a little bit of uh, this guy. This is uh, JP Uncut. This is a new channel I've never heard of. Apparently, uh, he's had interaction with the gospel truth, but I had never heard of him. And so his debate format is an interesting one in which uh, he gives his himself three minutes for a topic, then his guest three minutes, and then they kind of go back and forth. And I don't think the Calvinists do a very good job defending their position, like um, not not because of the not because they couldn't or it's like not because Calvinism is bankrupt, but because they could have just made better arguments in response. And so I just kind of want to watch this and see what the mindset says. And this this individual JP, he seems to be like a traditional Armenian type. Uh, uh, a simple foreknowledge type. And so this is this is what debate we're getting into. And so let's just go ahead. I'll just hit play and uh, we'll see what they say. We believe, brother, you got birds in the back, bro. You know, some kind of farmers. Oh, yeah. So uh, the Calvinist guy, this uh, Braden guy, um, he does a lot of annoying things during this whole debate. Like he cracks his knuckles and he's got dogs in the back and there's his house is filled with crickets. It's. It's just real bad. And then his mic goes bad. So it, it is pretty crucial to have some sort of isolated room or else it's it's probably not going to look very good for your side. Something, bro. I don't know what's going on. We got <laughs> Let me get a play. <laughs> yeah, thank you, brother. All right. So our position is very clear. Predestination. We say that the Calvinistic form of predestination is false. We believe the Calvinists take the Bible out of context to try to prove predestination in the way that they see it. Right. We don't we believe in predestination in regard to it being a thing for particular things, if that makes sense. So we believe God can predestine some things. But we don't believe all things are predestined. So my criticism of this debate strategy is that he's starting off right away with we believe type of statements. Here's a big list of things that we believe. Rather than laying down an argument and presenting that argument as if that's representative of reality, he's he's almost torpedoing his own belief by saying these are our belief statements. Right. It's less forceful than explaining something like, oh, when you look at the use of the word predestination in ancient sources, it doesn't mean some sort of meticulous control of all things. What it means is this, this and this. So that, that way you're stating actual facts that have to be refuted rather than some sort of uh, what is it like a dogma that that's being attacked here. That's very clear. We believe God has perfect foreknowledge. We know God knows what's going to happen. We believe the foreknowledge and predestination are distinct from each other. So if I clap my hands right now. Yeah, this this uh, group is very interesting. He's got about 4,000 subscribers. And the view count on this is, uh, where did the view count run off to? Oh, yeah, uh, 1,800 views. So like more than half of his subscribers are viewing this. So he seems to be wildly popular. Now. Although God knew I was going to clap my hands, it doesn't mean he predestined me to do that before the foundations of the world. The The whole ideology of election is, I believe, is complete garbage. That's just my personality. That's not an attack on these fellas because there are more worldviews that believe in election other than Calvinism. But Calvinism is the, 
they claim to be the ones that started it. We have Augustinian and guys of that sort who believed in something similar, but we're not going to go there right now. Just the form of election that you had to be predestined to be elect before the foundations mm. of the world. That's not biblical at all. I need some proof tonight, fellas. I want to be convinced if predestination is true, if compatibilism is true, if predestination and election go hand in hand the way these Calvinists believe. So that's a huge mistake in a debate is kind of adopting the terminology and definitions of your opposition. If predestination is true, you're already assuming in your argument the definition that your critics are giving to that word. And that's incredibly problematic because in the Bible, most English translations are going to use that word predestination. So if you're ceding that territory, rather than having the debate about is Calvinist predestination biblical or what does predestination mean within the Bible, those are better debate topics because then you're not necessarily ceding that intellectual ground to the Calvinist. The Calvinists, all they have to do is point to the Bible. Oh, it, it says predestination right there. And uh, is predestination biblical? It, it appears to be. It's, it's in the Bible, you know. So don't cede that territory. It's already giving too much ground. I need them to show it, and I need them. I got another minute. And I need these guys to prove with the scriptures that it's biblical, but they're not going to be able to do that today. That's my humble opinion, because they're just going to take the Bible out of, out of context. And, you know, no offense to Tim, no offense to Brandon Patterson. I like these guys. They seem very nice. But what's going to happen tonight is a BBQ, fellas. So that's my opening statement. BBQ. <laughs> uh, uh, that's uh, it's very presumptuous, and so um, he's like, um, "I'm gonna." Sh they're all out of context. Uh, get, we're just gonna roast these guys. Get ready for the roast. I, I don't know what it's. Um, I would probably avoid the presumptuousness of that. It doesn't doesn't look good unless you've actually laid down a pretty solid case, unless you're. You're preparing them for specifics, right? PQ, predestination. Some things are predestined. Not all things are predestined. God has perfect foreknowledge. God knows what's going to happen. Decrees, predestination, and foreknowledge are distinct from one another. And when it comes to predestination and election, they just simply have no Bible for it. And I really hope they don't go to the scriptures that I think they're going to go to. Because if they go anywhere near the book of Acts, if they go anywhere near the book of Ephesians, if they go anywhere near the book of Romans, they're going to get barbecued. And not only are they going to get barbecued, but I want your biggest... This is like a rap battle. This is like... Uh, he's, he's trying to psych them up and just... Uh... I, I it's a, is this a diss track? I think so. People that you support, because I'm ready to give them that smoke. Anybody that believes in compatibilism, tell them to come here tonight because after we deal with these fellas here, they they're gonna get some of this portion. Thank you. That's my opening. He controls the platform, and so they're going on to a hostile platform where this guy who's talking about roasting them and barbecuing them, he's he's gonna control the conversation. And so good on the Calvinists. Um, it's a very hostile format to be engaging in. Any statement? Go ahead. Who want? Who wants? Who wants to? Uh, I only took, I took three minutes. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm more than happy to go about you this. You want to do it, Tim? So you yeah, guys let's agree, Brandon. Yep, that sounds good to me. Okay, so then, so then I got it. So three minutes, okay, Brandon? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, first of all, yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I appreciate the smoke that you're pushing towards me. Uh, 
I'm a bivocational pastor. And, a, and he's got like he's got like an entire farmyard in the background. A good thing that I'm a firefighter as my full time job to be able to support me, so I can uh, definitely put out your smoke. Uh, not only that, but theologically prove to you that Calvinism is true because I also am a pastor. Um, predestination is the teaching that that whatever comes to pass comes. So this this all might be signaling. I'm a firefighter. You know, he's he's proud of this. He's got his uh, wood background. He's probably outdoors. He's got the farm animals. It's it's probably signaling like this is who I am. This is my identity. And uh, you're going to hear that in. I, I watched part of this already. You're going to hear that in how he describes himself being very specific. It's like when you're really young and you're really proud of your identity and your little labels, uh, you might build a dating profile or a social media profile and you, you'll list all your niche views in there. And then it's, that's your like proud profile. I th that's what's happening here. He's, he's very proud of his like niche profile. It's like, ah, so, sometimes we just need to get over ourselves. People don't care about that stuff when they see those types of profiles with all those things listed they're just like what is what no it, it, you don't look cool doing that it, it doesn't it doesn't enhance your image the past according to what god has willed or decreed for things to take place i am a 1689 federalist i believe in god's predestination um i was raised lds and i can firmly say that there is no way that i would all about identity i'm some sort of federalist i raised lds here's some background all personal identity i've ever come to know god because i was spiritually appraised i rejected the things of god there was no way that i could boast about coming to know him like i did when i was lds and that it was through god uh the holy spirit the third person of the trinity uh Borning me uh, spiritually uh, birthing. It's uh, this debate's about predestination. Hear about me. Let, let's talk about me. Let's talk about my background. Me again. He's got he's got three minutes. He's got three minutes to talk, and like half of it's about himself and his background. From above, that came to uh, me coming to know who God is, and that is because it was according to God's predestined sovereign plan in those ways. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm happy that you bring up Romans. I'm happy you bring up Ephesians. I'm happy you bring up Acts. Those are all books I plan on going to, but as a Calvinist, as a 1689 Federalist, I also believe in a thing called Proto Scriptura, which I believe all these things, all 66 books of the Bible, teach God's predestination. So I plan on going to the book of Isaiah, the book of Genesis, uh, even Revelation in many ways uh, to talk about those things. Um, obviously, at some point, we have to talk about uh, man's ability to understand these things versus who god is and we have to put god into a class of himself okay so here he he's he's priming the audience for this argument that calvinists have the gnostic enlightening and they know the truth and other people don't have access to that truth that's what's happening with this priming it, it's almost like an insecure he knows he's going to lose this debate this discussion and so he has to prep his audience for it and not try to give a philosophical answer to defend God in these things. Uh, God does not need me, nor you, or anyone else to defend who he is. And he has sufficiently revealed those things in his word. And that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to scripture alone, which confesses that God has predestined all things. And that is the reason that we can say to God, be the glory alone. And so that would be my quick and short intro on predestination. Tim, anything you want to add? You got one. Did you hear anything about predestination? It, like, I, 
what's your intro about it? What 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 is it? How does it function? Where do we see it in the Bible? You didn't give us anything. It, that it, it's not an effective intro. I don't I don't think it's uh, pushing the audience, pushing the needle one way or the other. Maybe maybe someone listened to that and they're like, oh wow, he's had an emotional experience and was saved. So predestination is biblical. Maybe someone in the audience is making that connection, uh, but probably not if they're watching a debate. Minute left. Um, yeah, I was just going to add uh, overall, just you know, understanding you know what if God is is all knowing. I always try to say that the big argument, and I think the stumbling block to those who reject Calvinism is not necessarily just God's decree and predestination, but the very attribute of His foreknowledge. And so, therefore, if God knows all things that will happen and God is perfect in everything that he does, then his plan is according to everything that will happen. And therefore, uh, in his decree, he has decreed the beginning and the end and all things that are according to the good counsel of his will come, will come to pass. All right. So that's just right under three minutes. All right. So let's get to ripping, fellas. All right. So I guess I'll ask a question and then we'll move forward from there. And then you guys can ask us a question, provide scriptures for your claims. If, and obviously we see Brandon try to pull a quick one with philosophy. <laughs> philosophy is the Calvinist killer because Calvinism makes no sense when you put it on <laughs> philosophical lenses. At least, <laughs> at least Brandon Patterson now concedes that early on. It's, so oh, by the way, it's, 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 it's Braden. It's Braden. So, so JP is being uncharitable here to uh, Braden. He says, oh, because he's already said that God transcends philosophy, JP's just saying, oh, Brandon doesn't like philosophy or something like that. And uh, Braden's going to respond in turn with these little J I – I don't know what they're doing here, these little – Passive aggressive jabs. It's not charitable for, by, by any means. I appreciate you, Tim. I know three people in the Bible that tried to use philosophy to answer the wrong or the hardship of men, and they all got rebuked. It's in the well, book it's a good thing we'll that go foolish philosophy. The Bible makes a <laughs> distinction with foolish philosophy. So the, yeah. the philosophy of the world, foolish philosophy. My philosophy is yep. not foolish. So mm. philosophical mm. concepts can act when the bible's talking about foolish philosophy it's not mine it's yours the other guy's like no it's not mine it's yours it's one of these these cards where everyone's trying to play the same card against each other whoever says it first wins um i'm i'm not a fan i, I don't think that's actually effective for um getting through to people on an intellectual level actually be used to put glory for <clears throat> just Talk about the glory of God. So now I have a question, Tim. Mm -hmm. So, Tim, are you ready? Sure. So, Tim, let me ask you a question. If you know that I'm going to open up this book, mm -hmm. did you make me open up this book? Well, I put you in the position knowing that you would do it. Okay. So I'm going to ask you again. I'm okay. So, JP is looking for some sort of gotcha question. And what he wants to do is uh, set, set these guys up to affirm one of his priors. One of the things JP is going to be arguing is that predestination does not equal foreknowledge and foreknowledge does not equal predestination. You can know things that happen in the future without causing them, which probably everyone would kind of agree to. Um, I don't think our Calvinist people understand how to actually answer this from a Calvinist perspective. 
ask you again because you're, you're not you're not answering my question. So it's a simple yes or no. It's not. It, and if you want to pull that card, then we'll get more specific. We'll get more specific. Are all things that happen decreed? See, look at Brandon or Braden. He's cracking his knuckles. He, he's on open mic cracking his knuckles. Anyways, uh, T Tim Jones and Braden need to insist. It's like, yeah, we'll answer your questions, but you can allow us to answer yes or no and then give us 30 seconds to explain our answer uh, so that you don't get the wrong idea what our answer means. And so the correct answer for the Calvinist is, does foreknowledge of something make that thing happen? The correct answer is no, but the foreknowledge tells you that that thing is predestined and fated to happen, right? It's not the foreknowledge that causes it, but the fact that you can know something infallibly means something's causing it, something somewhere. And so to have this type of knowledge that you're asking, JP is a normal, normal classical Christian, he thinks that God has unfalsifiable foreknowledge of future events. Their argument should be that foreknowledge is of something of substance, which does exist and can't be falsified. Something's making it happen. Not the foreknowledge. No, the foreknowledge doesn't cause it, but something does. That's not how they answer. They, they don't seem familiar with how to answer that in a meaningful way. Are you asking me? Yes, I'm asking I, you. I believe so. Yes. Okay, yep. then. So if all things that happen are decreed and they were decreed before the foundations of the world, could I have done differently than pick up this book right now? No, I don't believe so. Okay, then. So then my question to you is this. I'm going to ask you again because you didn't answer my question the first time. If you right now, Tim, you knew that I was going to open up this book. You knew it. You said, oh, I know JP's going to open up this book. You, Tim, you, Tim, did you make me open up the book? You, you, the human, even it, though you knew it, it depends on what you it just like that. That's a trick question, though, bro, because Brother, it, it, answer the question. Y'all already. No, y already I, I didn't make you open the book. Already, but I put you in the position to do it. Brother, 25 seconds in and y'all already tripping. So this is this is this is already very simple. You know? These poor Calvinists are just getting heaps of abuse by JP. And so Tim Jones does answer the question. He says no, and JP doesn't capitalize on it. He might have missed it. I um, mean, he keeps pressing. You know what I'm saying, Shamar, take some notes on how you do a debate, brother. This is how you how you press these guys. We are already 25 seconds in. Tim doesn't want to answer my question. I just so <laughs> getting so much abuse. Uh, Tim Tim points out, yeah, I just answered your question. I I literally just answered it. Um, and so th that that comment was unnecessary. Oh, Brandon, I'm gonna ask you now. Brandon, okay. it's Braden, bro. Braden, sorry, brother. <laughs> Who are you talking to right now? Okay, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm gonna talk to you because Tim didn't want to answer my questions. He says it's a trick question. So Patterson, I'm gonna ask you the question. If you knew right now that I was going to pick up this book, you knew, you 100% you knew, God gave you the gift of prophecy, Braden's a prophet, you just know I'm going to pick up the book. Mm. Did you make me pick up the book? In that way, if God making me a prophet, no, I'm not the one that makes you do that. Okay. The, that would be, that would be clean, seen uh, that, but you can't equate myself as a prophet to the character of God. That would okay, be... So uh, Okay, that would thank be a you false for answering my question. You guys will get you guys will get your time to press us. Okay. No, that's that's when you need to insist. If I answer your question, you gotta give me time to answer. I'll give you yes or no. 
if possible. And then you have to let me explain my answer or else it's not going to be productive. People are going to get the, because of your wording, people are going to get the wrong idea of why I'm answering what I'm answering. So let me explain my answer or else we're, we're done here. Something like that. Um, and that way you can't get forced into these yes or no's. And then the person goes on, then starts misrepresenting what you believe and why you believe it. Okay. So very simple, fellas. Why did I bring this up? To demonstrate something. Foreknowledge and predestination are distinct from one another. Just because God knows something's going to happen, it doesn't mean he decreed that particular thing to happen. So God is not responsible for me shooting somebody in the head. And if God knew I was going to do it, he didn't make me do it. There's a distinction from foreknowledge and predestination. So if I was the Calvinist at this point, I'd take the Matt Chandler uh, sermon on predestination and foreknowledge or on, on foreknowledge and talk about how the Bible actually uses foreknowledge. Foreknowledge is about relationship. It's not about uh, data within your head about propositions in the future. It's about having a relationship with someone. And Matt Chandler, Calvinist, points this out. And I would point this out at this point, and that would disarm JP. And JP will, will have to reevaluate what he's talking about, these distinctions between foreknowledge and predestination. They're categorically different because foreknowledge is being familiar with someone on a personal level. And so then that they would disarm his entire train of thought. So that's why I brought that up. Is there any pushback to my worldview? Yeah, when, when in the Bible does it talk about uh, foreknowledge being the equivalency of prophets who are not omnipresent, not omnipotent, nor You're cutting off just a yeah, little You're, you're cutting off, boss. I think it's okay. scratching your something. Yeah. Oh. Let's see here. If it doesn't work, okay, yeah. So sorry, do this. Is that better? Are you able to hear me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my question is, is I think that that is a false equivalency. When in God's word, Jonah writes, JP came in hostile, man. Not good. Yeah. It's you usually want to kind of uh, match the people that you're debating. You don't want to start hostility. And uh, Braden and Tim Jones seem like amiable people they, they don't seem hostile so the the abuse is unnecessary is a prophet exhibiting the attributes of omniscience omnipresence and omni roddy says i want to see these guys go against warren and drew or you or chris i could go on jp's program and argue the calvinist position and uh, i i think i'd do fairly good against jp potence because there's never a case where prophecy is equal to that of foreknowledge, like what God demonstrates. Very good question. Now, here's the issue at hand. I simply used the prophet example to ask you a question. The question was, mm. if you knew something was going to happen, did you make it happen? So throw away mm. the prophet example away. I used it so that you can try to comprehend. The answer is no, but something made it happen. Right. It, it was forced to happen. It was fated to happen in some sense. The knowledge doesn't cause the, the object of the knowledge. The object of the knowledge exists independent of the knowledge. Right. My knowledge of a red car does not spawn that car into existence. That car exists whether or not I have knowledge of it. Uh, that's not an issue. But if I have knowledge of a red car, that does mean a red car exists. 
fatalism is true if you have unfalsifiable knowledge of the future. And my argument. So my argument was this. If you knew I was going to do it, did you make it happen? The answer to that is no. Knowing something's gonna happen. Uh, he's gotta he's gotta mute his mic. This is terrible. There's 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 these crickets in the background. If you're not talking, mute your mic. Don't crack your knuckles. Uh don't be doing uh, weird noises. Uh, everyone mute your mics. Happen doesn't mean you made it happen. Mm -hmm. That's my example. But did it come to pass because God hadn't had foreknown it to happen the prophet prophesied about it happening and therefore it happened because yeah Braden's on to something here this is this is the calvinist position yeah uh, yes god predestines everything and so you could have a hundred percent knowledge of these things Braden's on to the idea that something causes it not the foreknowledge it was according to god's foreknowledge to that question i would say absolutely yes foreknowledge so if you remove god, but if you remove, remove the, the prophet out of the equation, just removing the profit out of the equation. If God knows mm -hmm. something's going to happen before it happens, does he necessarily de determine it to happen? Yes. Okay. And and that's, I guess, the point of contention. So yep. where where would you point to in the scripture that would show us that, I guess? I'll let Tim take that. Tim, do you, do you have anywhere that you want to go? I've talked a lot. So that's a nice, non-hostile, open-ended question meant to encourage discussion. And so it, it's a good question to ask if you're fairly confident in your ability to understand where they're going to go and what the common uh, talking points are and how to respond to those talking points. And so it, it's, it's good for a discussion. It's a good question. Already. I, I don't think JP would have asked that question. Yeah, yeah. Prime example, I think, is actually in the book of Genesis and the creation of the world, right? So we understand that God in all sure. of his sovereignty. We'll go there now. Okay. Well, no, I'm I'm saying I'm I'm saying so we know that God has all foreknowledge, right? So when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he knew exactly what was going to come out of. I mean, even the word of God tells us that the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. So there was already mm -hmm. a plan in motion. Mm -hmm. So God put Adam and Eve in the garden foreknowing what they would do and using mm -hmm. those actions in a plan that he had before the foundations of the world began. So God using the actions of men in a set mm -hmm. is not necessarily God making them. Do Hold it. Let me hit them with your argument. But, yeah, but, but when God put them there, he knew exactly what was going to happen. He still put them there. So notice the misdirection. Oh, probably a good debate strategy on the Calvinist saying, let's turn to Genesis. And then he's talking about verses in Revelation, the exact opposite side of the Bible. Turn to Genesis. Let's talk about Revelation. And um, so they're not actually talking about Genesis per se. They're talking about their specific readings of Revelation. And JP's does this passive aggressive thing like, I'm turning to there now. We'll turn there now. As uh, it's it's almost like a fake confidence uh, quip. It's like, oh, you think you, you know so much about that? I'll turn there now and then I'll have the upper hand because I know this and we'll read the text and the text is going to refute you. A very passive aggressive. He's, and he still set a plan in motion before they were even there. Very good. Let me ask you a question, Tim. Let me ask you a question. God knew Adam and Eve would fail. You have kids, I believe. You don't have to say it for security purposes. But suppose that you're a father. You decided to have children. 
Did you know with your foreknowledge, your limited human foreknowledge, whatever that is, that your children will one day fail you? Did you know that? They're going to they're going to disrespect you. They're going to be mean to you. Yeah, not not in a falsifiable sense. And so a lot of people get pregnant. There's miscarriages. There's people who die in childbirth. There's children who die in childbirth. There's a young child from my former church who drowned to death very early in his life. I, I don't think these kids were around enough to do those things. Our knowledge of these types of events in the future is a falsifiable knowledge. And we can say, oh, yeah, we know they're going to do this. But, yeah, other things may happen, and those are possibilities. It's falsifiable knowledge. And so there's always this bait and switch with the type of knowledge you're talking about when you're dealing with traditional Arminians. And the conflation is what allows them to make arguments, like uh, compatibilistic arguments, uh, arguments where we're not fated to do things, even though there's 100% knowledge of things. It's a bait and switch of the type of knowledge we're talking about. And I don't think uh, Braden and Tim are that dialed in uh, to, to see that bait and switch and to call that bait and switch out. They may steal a cookie. They may sin. They may be ungrateful that they were going to be sinful creatures that were going to do bad things. Did you know that before you had a child or were you 100% naive to the fact, assuming you have kids? That, that's a strange analogy, but no, I, I didn't know that they were going to do that. You did not know that your kids would sin? Oh, I knew that they would send, yeah. Well, you knew your kids would fall short. Of course. But you decided to have them anyways. Yeah. And notice it's a, it, that's a general loose knowledge. It's not a knowledge of specifics. It's just like a catch-all category. Oh, I know this thing about the future as a catch-all category, but not the minutia, not what sins they're going to commit, when they're, they're going to commit it. That's not the type of knowledge that they ascribe to God when they say God has foreknowledge. It's the minutia. It's not a general category which could come true in various manners, a catch-all for all sorts of different types of events. Again, that's not the type of knowledge that they attribute to God. So it's a conflation of terms. Okay, similarly with Adam and Eve, God knew that there would be humans that were going to fall short. He didn't make them fall short, but God knew that in the way that humans were constructed, eventually they would fall short. But God created humans because he chose to love. So, And so here JP's just stating the things that he believes without taking into account the things that Braden and Tim believe. Uh, they'll say, oh, no, God predestined it all to happen. Uh, it's, it's okay. Uh, you just made a claim. I'll just make a counterclaim and. And here we are at, at the beginning of the debate again. It's uh, it's not helpful. You're not. There's no evidence being presented that one view is true and one is false, uh, per se. Maybe JP's using this to argue against the idea that Christ was slain from the foundation of the world. He's going to turn this. I haven't seen this far in the debate. Uh, maybe he's going to turn this to say, yeah, Christ could be slain from before the foundation of the world because. God generally knew this thing; these things would happen. Maybe he's going there. I hope. I hope that's what he's doing because otherwise, it's not a good argument. Well, the concept of love is not something that's forced, like you guys do with election and predestination, where somebody loves God because they're predestined to. Adam and Eve, God knew they were going to fail, and God loved them anyways. And God, and and still with creation. 
God knows his creation was going to fail. And he loved them so much that he gave his only son to die for the world. So the fact that we have a situation where Adam and Eve were going to fall and God knew it is not is, is I don't think that that's a good argument, considering the fact that Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were foreknown to do what they were going to do, not the creed. Could they have but, done something other than what God knew that they were going to do? Could they have done something other than what God? That's a good question from Braden. And he, he needs to press it. We'll see if he presses it. I knew that they were going to do. No. Okay. So they were bound to what God foreknew they were going to do. I don't think that foreknowledge is bounding because we're still free. Foreknowledge... Okay. Could they, could they have not fallen? Was there a, is there a possibility that they could not have fallen? I believe that because of how humans are, because of how humans are, right, and in the state that they were in, with all the options that they had, God knew they were going to do that eventually, because humans will eventually fall. Not, not you don't, you don't actually believe that they're going to do that eventually. You believe that God knew the exact time, the exact circumstances, uh, the exact actions, uh, all the minutia surrounding that, which, which pieces of grass is going to be in the field at that very circumstance. JP is being a little disingenuous here by, by saying, oh, he knew they would do that eventually. That's not his actual belief. And so Braden needs to press this. So he knew so, that, but he created humans knowing that humans were going to fail him and he loved them anyways. Same way we create humans and we know they're going to fail us. Did God know certainly the day, the minute, oh, the time, there it goes. the hour there it goes. When they would fall? And did they fall during good braided? Very good. So we go back to the we go back to the book example. Mm -hmm. Me picking up this book and God knowing I was gonna pick it up. Did he make me do it? Even though he knew the exact time. I'm not hearing a yes or no. Braden should hold JP to his own standards. It's like uh that wasn't a yes or no. Can I get a yes or no? Did God know the exact moment, the minute, everything about that? Good job, Braden. And when I was gonna pick it up. Yep. So so, so the question yeah, remains, the question remains, can you show me the decree? Because Tim showed, Tim, Tim displayed, Tim displayed that the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. Mm -hmm. That helps us, not you, because we believe God has perfect foreknowledge. <laughs> well, okay. So um, you, the, the real thing is if they both believe that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, it's not evidence for either side. It's not like that means predestination is wrong and simple foreknowledge is right. That just means it's it's not useful to the discussion at hand. Nobody's nobody's presented useful information. Okay, so did uh, you didn't say yes or really no to my my answer was no. I, there it I, goes. I answered by Brandon's tracking. He's tracking. Saying that nothing could have happened that God didn't know was going to happen. But I okay. answered by saying, just because God knew I was going to pick up this book, it doesn't mean that he forced me to pick up the book. All right. So, so press, are you saying press God it, forced Brandon, Adam and Brandon. Eve to eat the fruit and then reprimanded no, so them? Press so it. my question, though, is on that, is what came first? The action of Adam and Eve sinning against God or God's foreknowledge of that action? It's good, Brandon. Mm -hmm. well, uh, what came first? I would what say that. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. I already said that God foreknew that His creation would fail Him, 
Just how I said, if I had JP's walking into a trap, I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he realizes where this is going. Kids, I know my kids will fail me, but mm. God opted into love. The question here is this: Keep pressing, Braden. Keep pressing him. You've provided and said, Tim, a verse in which you stated that the Lamb has been slain before the foundations of the world. Very beautiful. But can you show me a scripture where Adam and Eve were decreed to do what they did? And then you're going to have to show me and make it logical how God decreed Adam and Eve to eat the fruit and then reprimanded them for doing what he decreed them to do. That doesn't make any sense. Moller, anything you want to add to it that? It doesn't quick? make sense. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I think Braden, where where we disagree is that mm -hmm. your definition of foreknowledge, definition of foreknowledge, just means you know something before it happens, mm -hmm. right? That's the definition. I think that what you have laced with it is that if God knows something before it's going to happen, like prophecy, of course He knows the future, that it doesn't necessitate or determine that He has made that happen. He just knows it. So, so, so where, where I'm, I'm, I'm just getting that. confused because it seems like we're, we're debating off of a uh, Jonah writes, I think a good refutation of Calvinism is the fact that it's not found anywhere in secondary literature from any early Christians. If it pops up only 500 years ago, a uh, good likelihood it's false. Um, and so you do have very early Gnostic statements about God, about God's ineffability, God's simplicity, his partlessness. Uh, uh, his transcendence, transcendent Platonic ideas about God. You do find that in very early Gnostic literature. And of course, Augustine and Ambrose before him were Platonist Gnostics. And so they adopt a lot of these terms, these Platonistic ideas, and incorporate them into their systematics. And what Calvinism is, is just a reframing of ancient Gnostic Platonic ideas about God and taking them to their logical conclusions. Like Augustine thinks, Augustine, of course, affirms free will throughout his life, but it's not a free will in which in which we could do other than what God already knows we're going to do. It's a free will that exists alongside a deity who has created everything in one simple act, uh, timeless and eternal, uh, without relations to the world, in which all things happen, as as the, as they're predestined to happen in the calvinist term of predestination and so you you do find those in a fairly early literature and i i spent i got a lot of podcasts if people aren't aware on augustine platonism his platonistic influences and early gnosticism i even have podcasts where i just read the gnostic texts i just open them up and just read through them so people can understand what type of Ideas were floating around what the Gnostics were actually getting at. And it's a Platonist metaphysics is what they're championing at that time. Like, I mean, are, are we? do we need to go back to the construct I mean, of what free will is? Did you guys not know that foreknowledge isn't, isn't tied to... I understand that, but it seems like what you're, you're debating is you're making it seem like what we teach is God teaches us, treats us like we're all robots and makes us mm. sin. That's really, that sounds like your okay, argument. So That's not our argument. That's not what we believe, brother. Okay, Tim, let me ask not you what we believe. Very good. Tim, I punched Moeller in the face. Could I have done right. differently? 
I mean, well, what do you mean? I mean, if you chose not to do differently. Okay. But are you talking if about according to my foreknowledge? The, very good. If before the foundations of the world, if before the foundations of the world, God decreed me to punch Moeller in the face because God decrees all things out of Patterson's own admission, could I have done differently than what I was decreed to do? No. Brother. Not, not according to the foreknowledge of God. Okay. No, 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 no. Foreknowledge. Muller, do you see what's going on? You got yeah, to understand it's, our it's categories of, of debate here, bro. You don't understand okay. categories. No, 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 no. Categorically, brother. You're not understanding. Right, so, so, to... I wonder if Braden's going to pick up where he left off and point out, yeah, that in JP's view, God unfalsifiably knows exact minutia. Those, those things are faded. There's not a possibility or probability something other will happen. Functionally, the systems are the same. And so Braden right now should be saying, JP, you believe the same thing that we believe. We're on the same page here, friend. You believe that God fatalistically determined everything that's ever going to happen. That's what we believe, friend. Your okay, argument's so invalid the, because that's you're, mm -hmm. you're trying to argue something we don't agree with. Okay, no, 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 right, no, no, so, no, 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 no. It's a straw man. But, okay, but, is right. everything is every? Hold on, Mola. I'll let you go right now, Mola. Let me say the statement, and then you'll take. Uh, Jonah writes, "You're right about the Gnostics, but uh, such was nowhere near mainstream." Well, Valentinius almost was the bishop of Rome, and led Christianity. Eusebius writes about this, where there's a power struggle in which he's outed, uh, but he got close. And so these, there was a lot of secretarianism in early Christianity, and we probably overestimate how solid the orthodox position was when it's 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 fighting through these secretarian conflicts the winners winners write history and uh the other the other histories are burnt right it's like manichaeanism that was a pretty mainstream in north africa during the time of augustine it became mainstream it, it was it was an actual legitimate sect that people debated had huge debates against it was a contender for uh, championing the faith. Get from here. Is that Chris Lasala here? Hey, what's up, bro? Yeah, my <laughs> statement is this: Are all things that happen decreed? Yes or no? It's just a yes or no. Yes. Okay. All things that happen are decreed. So I'm decreed to punch Moeller in the face. Could I, I? I don't know why he wants to punch his friend so bad. I have done differently than the decree. The answer is no, correct? I, I, I would give a, I, I can give a biblical response for that if you just let me talk. If I can, okay, if so I can just answer no, that. You can't, you can't speak. But let me just, let me just say this, and then you can respond. The answer to that is, I could not do differently than punch Moeller. Therefore, if everything is decreed and everything is decreed to happen, I cannot do differently than what I was decreed. Nobody's going to deny this, right? To do. And so, therefore, I can make an argument and say that is kind of robotic. Because if I'm decreed to do what I was pre-programmed to do before the foundations of the world, I can only do what I was decreed to do. All right. Jonah writes, dang, again with the hostility. He's been unnecessarily hostile. I, I don't think... Uh, Braden make, made a couple, like, side comments, but he's not... He's He's just been... Like a normal dude conversing, and it's just unnecessary, unwarranted hostility, and these guys are just like taking it. It, it is, it is a funny dynamic. Right. So I can answer. 
Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I would just, for, to respond to that, I would just go to Acts 17, 26. Okay. And it, Okay. I hate all these online resources that everyone goes to. Yeah, let's just go look at uh, Calvin Klein ads while we're pulling up the Bible. And just just pull up like eSword or something. Just have some sort of software on your computer so you're just not typing things in the, into the internet. Okay. So uh, re I would click on read full chapter because it might be 27 and 8 as well. Mm. Okay. Okay. So here, biblically, we actually have a passage that teaches that God intentionally placed he people here to do things. And this was according to his will. And he's the one who put them here. So verse 26 says, and he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each. Yeah, so what, what would be an open theist response? Yeah, God does determine boundaries of people. He, he's a nation's mover. Um, and guess what? A lot of this is in the hopes that maybe there's a lot of uncertainty that these guys would start seeking God. Yes, God does control boundaries and nations and is involved intricately in the movement of people groups. Yes, we, we will, in fact, admit to that. Each one of us for in him we live, move, move, we have our being, as even some of our own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. So context here is in regards to those who are his offspring. These are people who had no choice in the matter. Okay. Would you like me to respond to this? Yeah, that they should oh. seek him. So he determined okay. the allotted periods of time. So the Arminian or classical theist response, the classical simple foreknowledge response is, this doesn't show that your view is true and our view is false. It's just not evidence for your position. You need to show something in which people are forced by God meticulously to do very certain things and that it's a universal concept. It can't be just a one-off because a one-off suggests that it's an exception to the general rule. Like if God takes over someone for a little bit to make them do something, that suggests that's, a, that's not the normal default state. And so that would be evidence against their position. They actually need to present positive proof that the Bible anywhere talks about predestination, that concept in the way that they claim. And so JP... Is probably going to drop the ball right here. Time, so that's okay. where that's what Brother Braden is getting at. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah. So Mueller, uh, go mm -hmm. ahead and respond to that, and then I'll respond to that. Well, after. the verse says that they should seek God. So what we have to get as clear as your position. So is your position that God determines every action, but mainly yes. salvation? Mainly salvation. Primarily salvation. Yeah, that, that's our debate. That's what we put emphasis on for his elect. Yes. Okay, so primarily salvation. Well, in this text right here, it doesn't talk about salvation. Nobody here disagrees that God intervenes well, in his verse creation. Verse 28 says, for we are indeed his offspring. Y yeah, his so children. what does it mean by God's offspring? What's the context of this? Yeah, what, what's the original... Uh, what's the original context of this? I, I had it pulled up somewhere. I, I didn't pull it up in preparation for this because I didn't, didn't know they're going to pull it up. But I think it, it's a poem about Zeus, and it's a fairly late 
poem. And so a lot of the ideas of Hellenism might be dying down by the time of this. I'll have to go pull up my research on it at some point and, and talk about it. But uh, I don't think it's Calvinism. I don't think that that's what they're getting at. Uh, often in the ancient world, people groups actually believed they were the literal offspring, children of the various deities. And so that's, that's a reading we have to consider as well. And what's Paul doing? Paul likes to subvert concepts. He likes to take pagan ideas, pagan symbolism, uh, mystery cult language, for example, and subvert it and make it about Christianity. That, that's, his, that's his method of reaching the local population. Just like, like a comedian will put in some local jokes, <laughs> local to whatever area that he's talking about. There's a funny Norm MacDonald clip where he, he, he goes to, uh, uh, where does he go? Like Los Angeles or something. And, and then he, or San Francisco, and he does a bunch of gay jokes and all, all the homosexual jokes do not land. Uh, everyone, everyone hates him. It's so funny. But yeah, that's what Paul does. He, he takes local concepts he subverts them and he makes them say something else. So trying to read very stringent definitions into what Paul's doing is probably a mistake. Paul is a rhetorical speaker. He's speaking in rhetoric to convince people of things and taking the familiar and making them about God and Jesus. That's his way of framing an argument to make people believe. I'm not successful here. We are indeed his offspring. Who are okay. the offspring of grace? Who are right, the offspring of God? What is okay, but it says in 27. If you go to 26, back up a little bit. 26. Just pull up a little bit. All right. It says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. We don't disagree. Mm -hmm. That's that's fine. In other words, I live in California. I was determined to what? Be born of my mother and father. I don't, we don't. The quickest way to disarm someone's proof text is, is to say, yeah, I agree with the proof text. Um, that perfectly fits my worldview. It's not evidence for your worldview and against mine. And so why are you bringing it up? And so then they look foolish for they're the ones who introduced the proof text. And uh, they, they have to explain why it doesn't mean your belief about it. So the Calvinists do the thing, and that's what they're doing here, is where they think that all they have to do is pull up a text and talk about how they interpret it in light of Calvinism, and they confuse that with an actual argument. And so it's, it's one way to quickly win any debate is to recognize that that's how they operate. They've never had real pushback, and they've never actually really had to defend their reading. And just being asked to do so is just stupefying to them. They, they don't know how to act. They don't know how to react. They're pulling up proof texts that don't mean their view. They're pulling up proof texts just to, as talking points to explain their view. I don't have an issue with that. He's the creator no, of the world. He could do that's, that. that. That's not what Paul is saying, though. He's I, saying that, well, that well, they let, should let me, seek Let me get God. to the second part. Oh, he sorry. says that they should seek sorry. God and perhaps mm -hmm. feel their way toward him and find him. That Perhaps. Uh, Paul sounds like an open theist to me. That term right there shouldn't exist in your worldview. What do you mean? Why are they seeking that they should seek God? According to you, they will seek God. They will find him. So this well, is why I want to get to your position. Is your position, he decrees everything. It sounds like you're you're saying he doesn't. He decrees He decreed these individuals, yes. Okay. But I'm, I'm asking. So if he decrees everything, how can in any way, shape, or form... 
you you mentioned earlier that there's actions that are independent. You seem to have alluded that there's actions independent of his decree. So I Jonah says, hey, Chris, somewhat new to open theism question. Does perfect knowledge of the future necess necessarily entail fatalism? Yeah. So if you have a knowledge that can't be falsified, um, there's no other possibility or probability that something else is going to happen that is fatalism. And so a lot of people like to say that certain events are uh, fatalistically determined, but they might not understand what they're they're talking about. We already talked about general generalities. So if I know my kids are going to sin against me, that's like a big catch-all category. All sorts of different events could fulfill that knowledge. That's not the type of knowledge that's unfalsifiable. The top type of knowledge that's unfalsifiable is where you know minutia about all the particulars of that event, right? And so Adam and Eve are going to sin. They're going to sin on a Thursday at two o'clock. There's going to be however many ants in the field around them, and they're going to sin in this specific way. Having that type of knowledge of the future that, that cannot deviate, that, that's fatalism. Something's making that happen. And if that knowledge is before these people exist, it's not the people making that happen. Maybe the people are themselves input-output uh, devices, robots, just going through predefined motions. That's not what we consider free will, but something is forcing them into that situation. So a lot of uh, open theists will say, oh yeah, the, the cross was uh, predetermined. The, the, the cross is predestined or, or must happen 100% accuracy. What they mean is in a general sense that this category has to be fulfilled in some fashion through all these loose events that might qualify for for making true that loose proposition. And so that that's not the type of knowledge that they're talking about here. And it doesn't make sense to say that that type of knowledge is fatalistic, 100% non-subvertible type of knowledge because it doesn't have any particular details associated with it. It's just fulfilling a broad category. So yeah, God has goals in open theism and God will make those goals uh, obtain, but he does so through his own volition and willingly. The, all future knowledge is falsifiable. I'm confused. So are um, you a compatibilist? Is that no. your position? I'm, I'm a compatibilist, yes. Okay, so are the actions independent, any actions independent of God's decree? Yeah, Jones writes, often Calvinists have only heard one interpretation of any given text. Yeah, so they, they tend to be in bubbles, ideological bubbles. They interact with other Calvinists. They have, they go to the Bible study and uh, they they uh, like uh, pat each other on the back and, and talk about how they read certain texts. But then they get into these situations where, oh, I know a lot about these texts. I'm going to go interact with other people. And all of a sudden, someone's giving them an alternative reading that they've not considered before because at, and this is like in the middle of the debate. It's like if, if you're in a debate, you, you might might want to have interacted with opposing worldviews on those specific issues sometime in the past to know what's going to come at you. And then they're taken, they're blindsided. It looks like our Calvinist friends are blindsided by the idea that this text does not mean the things that they're claiming. So I would say this. What I would say is God decreed. Jones writes, unfalsifiable, exhaustive foreknowledge implies fatalism, which is incompatible by definition with free will. Yeah, even having unfalsifiable knowledge of 
one future event, you need all those minutia controlled as well. There, there's ramifications. There's there's second order effects of what that would entail to have that type of knowledge of a future situation in which it's fatalistically known. Before you mm-hmm. to perform certain actions mm-hmm. that are according to his will. Does that make sense? Yeah, but the certain part is where it doesn't make sense. Is it certain or is it all? It's. I'm. I'm so sorry. I'm. Is it um, certain actions or all actions? Because this is this uh, is well, the whole point of the debate, right? Well, well, what well, what I'm saying is, in what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say is, sticking within the within the realm of scripture. Mm-hmm. Here, I don't. I don't know why Tim's hem, hemming and hawing about this. If I was the Calvinist, I'd say, yeah, God predestines all things. God foreknows all things, and this is an example of Him predestining and foreknowing all things that that's that's what your argument why why is he trying to say oh yeah god only predestined certain things and then we focus on the elect i don't know what you're doing here friend we see it's all the actions of these individuals that it's specifically unfortunately it doesn't follow because if you listen to Mueller's argument and the Mueller, i don't want to speak for you brother so let me just say this quick yeah the text in verse 27 and we'll let the audience decide that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find them. So, fellas, here we see something that's not an app. Yeah, Braden's cracking his knuckles again on mic. Mute your mic, buddy. Salute. A what? situation is occurring where there's a possibility that it won't or will not happen. So if you see 27, 27 would say that they will... Okay, so this is where Braden needs to push back with their prior conversation. You say, yeah, in your own view, God foreknows with specificity exactly what people are going to do unfalsifiably. There's no perhaps in your view. Your argument against us is disingenuous. Even you have to discard the language here. Uh, Both you and I do agree that all these things are predestined, that all of them are foreknown. You're on my side, buddy. JP, you are a Calvinist just like me. That's 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 how he should handle it. But it says perhaps. So the text here is talking in conditions, not in absolutes. Therefore, therefore, to say that this verse proves that everything's decreed when verse 27 makes it clear that there's a conditional situation going on here that they should seek God should a, a, a conditional state yeah jp is making an open theist argument and perhaps feel their way towards him and find them condition after condition well well all we have to do is just read the rest of the verse it says yet he is actually not far from each of us each one of us for in him we live and move and have our being as even some of our own poets have said for we are indeed his offspring so so who are the offspring of god uh, his children, or his children, right? Well, all, yeah. so, all people. Uh, that, that's Paul's point. Uh, that uh, yeah, at previous times, God winked at the infidelity of the different people to different gods. But every He's calling everyone now to return in, and worship Him as the true God. Uh, God's not far away. Uh, God's close to every single one of us. He's not isolated in Israel. He's He's not like a local land God. Everyone has access to Yahweh we are all God's people. That's what he's talking about. It's it's not just Christians, it's all people and this is this is his appeal to the gentiles. So 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 we would allude 
hermeneutically, we would alert Luke verse 28 with verse 26 and 27 together so that they who are the offspring of God should seek perhaps find their will toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us context for we. Yeah. Jonah asks, would the Calvinists in your view then be more consistent with the classical view of God's knowledge according to you since they take it to its ultimate logical conclusion? So the Calvinists champion things such as simplicity and immutability. And from those values, basically everything else flows about God. God has to have a, a simple type of knowledge, a knowledge that doesn't have parts, is, is not abstractable into pieces, is not knowledge that's dependent on something. It has to be uh, identical with God's essence, uh, the idea of simplicity. God's not made out of parts. And so God's knowledge is identical with who God is. And so taking these values, uh, Calvinism necessarily follows, right? The classical theist will, will go through little steps to try to separate God from the logical implications, but basically it's the same thing. What's the difference between God creating unfalsifiably the exact world that we're living in, in minutia, and the Calvinist idea of God predestining all things to the exact minutia? It's the same concept. It's the same thing. He are indeed his offspring, for in him we live and move and have our being, eat and as even some of our own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Yeah, so the context is hold on, hold on, hold on. But we would, but we would say in this context, from from the reform position, that this that this uh, for the we here is specifically talking about all those who would believe in him. So God set. So the Calvinists introduce this proof text. It's not a proof text that defends their view over the opposition. If I was the Calvinist at this point and I had walked into this blunder, I give a new proof text. Move on. It's 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 probably a lost cause to duke this out unless you see some sort of value in uh, overcoming JP and and uh who is this Mueller or something like that. Uh, but they're probably not going to get a win from this proof text. Every single cut, cut, cut your losses, move on. Believer, every person he knew and he set, he determined for them to believe. So that is the context here. And so this is exactly what the Apostle Paul gets at. Unfortunately, you're wrong. Slide up to, to verse 24. Remember, this is the context of him speaking to the Greek. Yeah, I don't know who's talking, but that guy's actually correct. He, he's going he's gonna to show the, that this is a universal uh, hopefully, hopefully that's where he's going here. The the philosophers in the context is the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands. The context, the audience that he's speaking to is look at verse 22. It says men of Athens. Good. He's killing them. So these men of Athens are not. He's killing them. Their own proof text. I don't think they knew the context of their own proof text, or they 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 didn't think through the context. At least they've probably read it and had a general idea of what's going on, and then saw some verses. They're like, "This is probably Calvinism," but they don't know the context. They're gonna they're gonna get slaughtered. Children of God, he's saying in the context of creation, he's trying to tell them the God that you think is unknown is known. He created all things. That we are his offspring. And notice how that defeats this uh, Calvinist Gnostic idea that you need this special enlightening to reach God. That's not Paul's argument. He says we're all close to God. We're all his offspring. It's like he, he created us for communion with him. There, there's not this, this uh, metaphysical divide.
that people might think. There, there's not this separation. Everyone has access to God, is Paul's argument. Is going to be that context. Even if you say it's Israel, you still have a problem. Because in verse 27, your, con your condition, which is that God decrees all things, and author Luke here, it seems to be quoting Paul that he doesn't believe that. He says they should seek, and perhaps they will. So that's the issue with the context of, of yeah. This. Point it out. Point it out. This is all people. All people on earth are God's children. Just just say it. Say it. Of these verses. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I would just look at what it says. It says, "For in Him we are His offspring." We do realize mm -hmm. that not everyone is the child of God. Okay. Well, that so, so their reading is dependent on not everyone being a child of God, but the context is against that. That's the point, because verse twenty-four the, says, the, "God who made them." But offspring is always related to those who are God's children. Press those him, who have kill believed him, and who go are for the dead. kill. Those are the offspring of Yahweh. Okay. So that's why I would just take 27. So the method, men of context. Athens are his offspring. Being that God's offspring, we so, ought not to think that the divine being so, is like gold or silver. So men of Athens are God's so, offspring. So once context. again, so once again. No, it's worse than that. It says, uh, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. All nations, all people, all mankind, that is God's offspring. That's Paul's Paul's argument. His ministry to the Gentiles, where you guys are God's offspring too, so turn to God. That's the argument. Again, Paul was sitting in the midst, and he said, men of Athens. And once again, that's why when we say we preach, Christ's sheep will hear. So he's talking to the believers, those he knew would believe at this time. That's who Paul is talking to. So that would be our interpretation yeah. of that verse. Yeah, I, I would I would completely reject that. That's not the context. And I'll be honest with you, bro. I talked to okay. a lot of Calvinists. They don't take this verse like bro, this. Bro, there's Calvinists in the chat saying yeah, that. Yeah, they're saying that, that, that you're, you're wrong. wrong. There's Calvinists but, but Calvinists that. disagree. We disagree on some stuff. Yes, yeah. we do. I'm just no, I, I agree with Tim on this, though. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. This is talking about the elect being yeah, coming to Christ. And that's part of the set boundaries. Because here you gotta let me talk. Go, let, go let on let this. So, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Go you you got to realize that we can't read these as as verse breaks. This is a continuous text, and so when you look at that verse in twenty six to twenty seven, it that they should seek God is deter. It is tied to God determining things. And so that is what it's speaking about, that God has determined for those to believe, those to come to him, those that they might perhaps come to them. And so you got, you got to remember that this is Paul speaking in this text. And so does Paul know the elect of God? Does he know who's going to come to faith in Christ? They're, they're dropping the ball. They're dropping the ball. All they have to do is say everyone is God's children per the context. That, that's Paul's point. All the Gentiles are God's children. And then the Calvinists will have nothing. The Calvin, what, what are they going to do? It's just that the context... Uh, was actually referring to very specific, small, minute number of people as God's children. No, God says, everyone's God's children. He's near to them. Maybe, perhaps they're going to actually seek him. Perhaps. Tomorrow? No, but he does know that God is predestined for the elect to come to him tomorrow. And okay, that's why he's saying this. Let, let's, let's do this and we can move on to another passage. Yeah. But just I'm just telling you, I'm appealing to you guys. Yeah. Start with this chapter. Go from 22. You can keep going. Scroll down. Keep going uh, to 29 and further, JP. The context of this verse is he's speaking to men of Athens. He's approaching them, by the way, philosophically and logically. So mm -hmm. the fact that sometimes Christians make this blanket statement that we should not use philosophy is absolutely absurd. 
Logic is tied to philosophy. That's the study of it. And that's exactly what what are they doing? Why why that only argument they need to make is saying everyone is God's offspring and that they've won. What I don't know why they're quibbling over this. How much how much time have we used to, towards this 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 passage? Not worth it. You can shut them down and move on. What Paul's doing here. He's demonstrating yeah, it's it, like a whole bunch of extra words is not going to make your your position like a lot stronger. I it's there no one's gaining anything from this exchange. Philosophy and logic to make his point. You believe that there's a God that's unknown. I'm telling you, he's known. In fact, we're his offspring through creation. You can see it. He's attesting to that. It doesn't mean that these people are saved. And even in 27, when he says, perhaps. These are thoughts that would contradict if he believes everything is determined, specifically salvation. That would make no sense. That means I would walk up to Paul and I would say, why are you saying perhaps they should seek? If according to you, anybody... Right. The, the idea of Calvinism is just remote to the biblical authors. It's, it's not a consideration in their mind. And so people are not going to go up and say, hey, what's this perhaps thing? It's just, that's not how they're operating. And so Victory Street says, it'd, great, it'd be great to see you debate. Okay, so I got several debates out there. Uh, one I really like is the one on Isaiah 40 through 48 with uh, Daniel Madden. And uh, that's a good open theism versus Calvinism debate. There's one I did with Will Duffy uh, with uh, Dan Chapa and another Dan, like two Dans. I don't know. Um, and there's another debate that's out there where I take on a hostile Calvinist on Isaiah, which is fantastic. That's on my channel. And then there's another debate that I have uh, with John Singleton. There's probably more debates out there. I don't know. But there there are a lot of debates out there. <laughs> Do the Chrislings not wear black shirts? No. I Once you get older, it's like you put away child, like little kids, um, like Brayden. So this this guy in our debate, Braden, he get, he gave his intro three minutes, and it's all about himself. So like little kids, they'll like dinosaurs, and so they'll like wear a shirt with a dinosaur on it, right? So that's what Braden's doing when he's when he's telling it all about his theological and ideological background. He's he's displaying that dinosaur. I like dinosaurs. Here's a dinosaur. Associate me with this dinosaur. It's it it's my personality, and so uh, blank shirts, blank shirts, I think are more mature. Somebody who is a child or an offspring of God, they don't have that choice. Explain because it to me. This is Paul speaking. He doesn't know the mind of God, but he does. Irenic says, if you read the passage in its entirety from 24 to 29, the universality of the text is virtually undeniable. Yeah, I don't know why JP's not instantly shutting all this down by just pointing this out know who God is, being able to declare him as such. And what I would do is, in fact, in, in my opinion, I don't know if Paul, I can't speak for Paul because he doesn't exactly say this, but what he's talking about is people that are, are building up false gods, not like gold or silver or stone. And so look, right. this would be another great text to go through because what I think is taking place, and this is my opinion as a Calvinist, as a 1689 Federalist, that that when we see, see there's the dinosaur shirt, there, there's the dinosaur shirt. We remove God's sovereignty from something. We are are creating a false idol, one that we can bring down to our own class and make into like ourselves. So Isaiah 46 talks about exactly people that are building false idols 
that are removing God's sovereignty from the midst of things. I, so like, you're I, saying is that's that's what he's referencing in this verse in Acts? Or are you saying I'm not, I'm not saying specifically, but I think that uh -huh. that's a consistent thing that Christians and Paul included would debate against. Is that people yeah. ought not to ought not to change the image of God into something other than who He really yeah, but is? Yeah, that's your that's your presupposition that 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 we're well, removing sovereignty. So your supposition so, is that sovereignty yeah. means He has to control everything, mm. every well, every single moment in order for Him to be sovereign, and we reject. I think that. God's so, decree is tied to His sovereignty, though, and that's okay, why I guess if I God's would say decree that, is so. tied to His sovereignty, then you're completely yeah. Look over in their chat. What the heck does uh, 1689 Federalist mean? So he keeps throwing out terms, and the audience is like, I don't, I don't it's like, like I don't know what that is, dude. What, what what's going on here? No. Nobody lives in your world. We we don't have your acronyms memorized. Exiting and jettisoning out foreknowledge. So and then he's what, got what I would, he's got a dog fighting ring in the back. Would say is this text doesn't say what you're saying. It just is not alluding it's, to that, and it's pretty clear. Well, I would but, I would just say his God's foreknowledge, God's foreknowledge, is alluding back to his decree. So why does God know something's going to come to pass? Because he's already decreed it. And then we no, even because see he has knowledge of it causes. beforehand. That's what it means. So they don't have proof text. They have talking points. It's look at this text. Here's how I read it. And they, they think they have a proof text. They think they're debating. They think they're exegeting. They're not. It's like that. they just have talking points. Their their evidence does not line up with their claims. It, it doesn't mean their evidence doesn't exclusively support their view against those who they interact with. Talking points, not proof text. Means, brother. That's what literally the word means. I have knowledge beforehand. That's all it means. Well, he he's the great, he's the creed, the beginning and the end, right? Like we all understand, like he declares Correct. the beginning and the end. Absolutely. Because yeah, yeah. So so God in all of his foreknowledge, knowing all things, um, in relation to this, but I would say go down to verse 34, because mm -hmm. those who would believe actually came. And they actually believed and, and so but some men joined him and believed among mm -hmm. whom were Dionys and I can't pronounce that name and a woman named Damaris and others with them. So he so he declared a message. Yeah, he, he said, hey, you guys are, are God's children. You're all his offspring. And then God's offspring rejected Paul's message and only a couple people joined up. And so, yeah, Paul's message was largely unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. to those who who he foreknew because like i said paul mm -hmm. he wrote romans 9 and romans 8 he understands these things and so he's preaching a message to specifically those who would who you are his paul understands these things yeah well because patterson said saying... paul doesn't but carry on no, no, I'm just, saying that Paul doesn't no, know. Stop that, because that's, that's, that's not true. That, that's not, no, yeah. I'm just wanting some clarification. But we don't have to go into the weeds. We don't have to go into the weeds. <laughs> well, you, but you can't throw an accusation that, out about that. Not brother, you said he didn't know who the elect are. No, he said he doesn't know who the elect are. But Paul had an understanding that there are an elect. Okay, so thank you for clarifying. But nobody disagrees with that, brother. question is, foreknowledge seems to be a different definition between us even though it's literally in the word elect is a different definition yeah so again the jp and his side are just accepting calvinist definitions jesus in his parable says many are called a uh, few are chosen and so not all the people who are called some reject 
And who are the elect? They're the people who respond and the people who respond appropriately. That's who the elect are. And if you look at that word and how that word's used in the ancient world, it's the elect stones are used to build the bridge. That means the choice ones, the ones that are high quality. You use the elect stones, the high quality stones to build your bridge. You use the elect troops, your high, high quality troops for special operations. That, that's how the word's being used. It's not being used as a unilateral decision-making by something against something with where they, their qualities have nothing to do with the decision-making process. Uh, you don't get that in any language. Obviously. But there's an issue with that. If in 27, you're saying in 29, he says God's offspring. And then he goes down to 34 and he says, but some, look at verse 34. But some men joined them. So the men so of Athens he that he did, you, you said earlier that the men, men of, of Athens, Athens that he declared to, they were God's offspring. But now at the end of 34, he says, some believed. And I know you're not going to tell me that all those men were God's offspring. That means some of them had to choose. Therefore, they well, weren't no, all what God's I'm saying offspring. is Paul was talking to the elect. That's what I'm I, trying to say. But brother. It's very easy to understand. Me, it's very easy to understand. No, I understand it. But the problem is the text refutes you. Because you made a okay. statement earlier. You said. That in 27, he's making a statement into 29 that they're God's offspring. I said, are they saved? You said, don't you believe they're children of God? Now it turns out that they're not all children of God. Men of Athens means that not all of them were legged, and 34 proves it. So the point I, is, I would just say if he said men of Athens, I would just say that he was talking to those who would believe. Yeah. So again, they have talking points, not proof text. They spent like 15 minutes on this. So um, they they probably should have tried to move on by now. That's what our that's I, what but you but but it's obvious in 34 it's not Tim 30, 34 says, says but some, but some men but some men it says months, some and, men and the some men were the men of were the men of Athens that he was speaking no to. brother men of um, okay well we're gonna agree to disagree the audience can hear this okay men of Athens okay. it meant only apparently according to Tim verse 34 some men that joined among them were these names so there you those go. who Chris, would believe those Chris, who would believe hold on. Chris, I've been wanting to barbecue you for a long time, brother, for a long time. So you know what? You know what? Since you guys mentioned Isaiah and Chris mentioned Isaiah. Bro, bring Lasala in, bro. Bring Lasala in, bro. I'll let him sub for me. When, 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 the, when, when, we open, when we open the panels. I've been it's wanting to barbecue Lasala for a long time. Hold on. <laughs> let me let me bring up that passage Lasala brought up, which is Isaiah 46, 9, 11. Okay. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 46... That's the thing about Calvinist proof texts. All you have to do is read their proof text. And then, uh, so Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I purpose it and I will do it also. And they like say, yeah, God will do the things that he said he's going to do. Yes, completely agree. All right. I'm glad we're on the same page. But that doesn't sound like Calvinism. You, you need to add. It's like. That doesn't sound like uh, that sounds like a God that's acting in real time, completing sequential actions, uh, one who's not predestined anything and has to actively intervene in the world to actually do things. A God interacting with the world. That doesn't sound like this uh, deity that doesn't have relations with the world, whose pure immutability, uh, impassable, sim simple, without parts. That doesn't sound like that being. It sounds like an active and relational 
God being spoken of in these chapters. That's that's why my Isaiah debate was so fantastic, because I'm just pointing out these facts about the text that Isaiah thinks of God in an open theist manner. Their their proof texts for their predestination, if you actually just read them, their evidence against those positions and against their other other conceptions about God. Calvinist proof texts are always compartmentalized. They are only meant to prove one facet of Calvinist theology without taking the whole of Calvinist theology in mind. And so Isaiah is pointed to for predestination, but all the things in context in which God's making new decisions, interacting with people, the whole context of God putting himself on trial in order to attempt to convince Israel to follow him, all those things have to be discarded. The text can only be about predestination. Uh, the text can only be about this fatalistic control of all things. It can't be about who God is in any other sense because then it falls apart. It's God intervening, doing things, showing frustration, attempting to persuade, failing to persuade, declaring new things, decision-making process, discursive thinking. That's what the context is. One second. <clears throat> Do you want me to give you the context while you're getting it up there? Uh, I'll, I'll bring it up. Hold on. Give me a sec. Okay. All right. So look. So in Isaiah 46, in Isaiah 46, 9-11, right? This is, this is what it says. Mm-hmm. I am God. There is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose calling a bird to the prey from the east, the man of the council from a far country. I have spoken. Calvinists believe in an eternal, non-sequential declaration that's equal to God's essence. So it's not like before the world was created, then the decree went out, then all these things happened. It's a timeless decree. And so their idea of God's decree is not from ancient times. It's not from the beginning. It's eternal, co-equal decree with God that's... Uh, part and parcel of God's uh, substance, his simple substance. And so Calvinists do not literally believe their proof texts if if you just read their proof texts. And you have to understand Calvinist theology in order to point out these discrepancies, this is not their picture or idea of God. They are compartmentalizing this proof text to just prove one thing that they want to prove, which it's not even a proof text for that. It's a talking point. But uh, they they disassociate from all the other implications. Spoken, and I will bring it to pass. So now let me ask you guys a question. I have purpose, and we'll do it. Don't forget that. Yes, too. yes, that's okay. Now listen, this doesn't affect our worldview. This doesn't affect. It, it, this is how it would affect it, Tim. Okay, so JP is correct. This is the correct response. This is not some sort of verse that magically means your view is correct and our view is incorrect. We also believe God does things and God can accomplish. Um, yeah, and then then you can make those additional arguments if you're an open theist. But this is not a proof text for you and against me. Since you're confused, I have spoken. I decree all things, including these men's bowel movements. And I will bring it to pass with that sort of total control. Doesn't say that. We believe that God. That, that's 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 correct. That is a correct statement. It, it's not about minutia. It's about specific things that God tells two people. And if if you read the context, it tells 
when the beginning was. It wasn't like some sort of timeless decree or a decree when people don't exist. It's a decree to people. He says, I declared it to you in the beginning. The beginning is when people existed, when God formulated on doing these things. That's when the beginning was, not the beginning of time. It's He declares things to people and then does it. And then the people see he does it. And so then they know that the thing that he says he's going to do that he actually accomplished, it's proof of God's power to convince them to believe in God. That's the purpose of these decrees and the purpose of telling them beforehand to convince them that it's God who actually does it. The Calvinism is not the default view in these people's mind. They don't think of there's some sort of uh, controlling fatalism of all things. These people need active evidence in order to believe that Yahweh is the true God rather than the alternatives, rather than the Baals, rather than the Mardukes. And God is actively trying to provide them that evidence. So he tells them what he's going to do. Then he does it. Then he says, look, I told you. Then I did it. Believe in me, please. And then they still don't. God decrees things to happen. He intervenes in this creation. Right. Where is it that this is stating that everything, including your bowel movements, are decreed yeah, by I'm going to go take a leak in a moment. So Time out. Like... But th this, to me, though, seems like you guys are trying to build up a, a straw man, right? Why, when we talk about the yeah. sovereignty of God, do we always go to that which Wait is Wait a minute. What, brother, brother, you brought us to this text. What's the straw man? Yeah, so What's let, me, the straw let, man? Me, let, let me Yeah, let me because give Chris is trying to... Well, I, already, I already brought it up earlier, what you guys are straw manning. You're saying so that what? God okay, okay, we're not going to leave from this text. You're going to tell me exactly what straw man we're so attacking. Braden, what's the straw man? So what I'm saying is that you're just building up all these evil outlooks, and that's all we're going to talk about. We're not going to talk about all the good that happens, not all the other things that God also decrees. Because I, so listen, in Isaiah 46, <laughs> this is a, it's a debate. It's a debate, uh, Braden. And so you, you take weak points. You're not trying to uh, build each other up with, like, oh, uh, in open theism, God has, like the Calvinists, they're not going to say, oh, open theism gives God emotions and, and he can relate with us and suffer with us. And you're not, you're not there to present a flowery view of the opponent's beliefs. You're, you're there to poke holes and say, this is where your belief falls short. So this, it's a weird statement. We'll see if he, see if he develops this. What mm -hmm. is taking place in here, we have to read actually prior to this text. We have to understand what the context of this is. Very good. This okay. is talking about, mm -hmm. and I'll be quick in explaining this, is Bell stoops down, Nebo, Nebo stoops over. What is it talking about? False gods that the people have carved out of wood. They have placed on a podium of some kind. Okay, so this is another Calvinist thing that happens is they think that just by talking through the context so that you know that they know the context, then whatever claim they make about the verse is also true. And a lot of times they're like disconnected, right? And it's it's a red herring where they, they're basically trying to virtue signal their knowledge of the passage and then trying to equate them having knowledge of what the passage is about with them having an accurate understanding and interpretation of their specific verse. So watch for that disconnect and watch to see if there's any evidence that they present when they're providing context, why the context suggests that their reading of that particular verse is actually accurate, right? And so if the whole context is God is putting himself on trial in order to attempt to convince people to worship him rather than uh, the false gods, 
that gives a lot of context to what's going on there where God says, I say what I'm going to do and then I do it, right? It, it doesn't come back empty. That gives context to it. What? Why is God saying that? And what's, what's happening in that verse? And, and how is that verse functioning? You get a lot of that by the context of God's trying to reach people and he's trying to reach them through evidence that they can understand that they won't just offhandedly reject. It's something tangible. It's not something intangible. The Calvinist reading of an eternal degree, decree does not make sense because that's not good evidence for these people to trust in God. And a, a decree into the void that nobody hears is not going to convince anyone to follow Yahweh rather than the false gods. A decree to people to explain to them what's going to happen and then those things happening that is evidence that is convincing and so the context really destroys calvinism in this verse but what he's probably going to do is just explain the context and then just insist on his reading Let, let's let's hear let's see and they mm -hmm. cannot actually do anything that's what that's what god is declaring in this text this is god speaking in here and so he's saying the reason that i am not like those false gods of babylon that can't actually do anything is because all things that take place are according to my power, that they're actually all according to what I have declared to take place. And so, okay. So would that be convincing? Okay. So if God is on trial to Israel, trying to convince Israel to worship him, does saying I control all things. Is that very convincing? No, he's not controlling the people he's trying to convince to worship him. He's attempting to reach these people. He's not controlling those people, right? The whole context of, is him trying to change minds. And often, as, as what happens throughout Israel's history, Israel rejects God's attempts to change their minds. That's not a good contextual reading. God's not saying, all things are predestined by me. Like, that, who, who, who are you arguing to? Who are you trying to convince? It's, that, that's not tangible useful it's it's not a good thing to bring up in a trial for your position right this is the trial of the false gods those false gods can't do the things the things that they claim credit for they can't get credit because they didn't declare prior what they were going to do to show that it's them who did it they just after the fact after something's done then they take credit it's it's not a claim to do all things that that that's that's a dumb reading because it's 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 not evidence for the trial it doesn't support what's what's happening in context. The sin of building Bel, Nebo, all those things, the Israelites going into captivity, because we have to remember when this was prophesied, this was prophesied. Yeah, Chris Jones says, if that's how Calvinists understand the decree, wouldn't we just be just as necessary as God? Yeah, in Calvinism, Arminianism, and Molinism, using standard philosophical terms, mankind is just as necessary as God. And I go over that in my modalist fallacy fallacy video uh all together so a lot a lot of times uh the molinist will say oh that's the modal fallacy and they they they're incorrectly using that claim uh, against us but it's, it's not a fallacy when used in certain contexts so i have the video the modalist fallacy fallacy which shows using their own definitions of terms all things are necessary and by that, there's no other possibility or probability of anything else happening. It's, it's arbitrary category creation where, where, where they say all these things that are fatalistically known and will, will actualize, 
and eternally known and eternally will actualize that those things also are contingent things. It doesn't make any sense. Right around 730 uh, BC about events that would take place almost 200 years in the future. And God is saying that they're going to build false gods. They're going to sin against me. They're going to make you bow down and worship them. All these atrocities are going to happen. And when this right. happens, you will know that I declared it to take place because I All am right. not like those not false gods. Turn, not the That's very weird. He didn't say that I, I predestined you guys to worship the false gods. That's that's not what's happening here. Gloves are gonna come off because now okay. now you guys the gloves are now gonna come off, fellas. Notice what these guys are doing. All right, they're getting cooked in this debate and they're saying we're straw manning because <laughs> his hostility is like you guys are getting cooked, you guys are getting barbecued, you guys are getting roasted. Um, I don't think JP's been doing the roasting. I I see this as a fairly even conversation so far i i must have missed the roasting part moeller is saying that the uh, to, to have roasting I'll, I'll add another thought you you need like little quips you, you need some sort of gotcha moments where you say you know this is your proof text you brought this proof text to us saying that this is proof for your view we read it and it looks like it supports our view too so it's like the proof text you are bringing is not proof text for your view and against ours what are you doing? Do you actually have any proof texts that show that your view is biblical? Something like you need those moments. You, you need you need those definitive statements that summarize conversations and put someone on the defensive and make them look almost silly for the strategy that they've taken in the debate. That that's where the roasting is going to come in. The text is not saying that me going to the bathroom is decreed. They're saying you're straw manning. We're not straw manning. Either all things are decreed or all things are not decreed. Yeah, JP's right. The text does not say go into the bathroom to decreed. They already mm. said all things are decreed. And if all things are decreed, that means that I cannot do differently than what I was decreed. In regards so, to this. Okay, so if, if you want a roasting moment in Isaiah 40 through 48, I don't think JP and Muller are familiar enough with the text to have a roasting moment. But the roasting moment would be something like asking him, Okay, within the context, is there any brand new things that are getting decreed that have not been decreed before? And wait for them to answer. Because, um, of course, uh, Braden's not going to be unfamiliar with the context. And uh, either he's, he's probably going to be taken aback. He's like, oh, no, I'm in a trap. But if he answers no, then you could turn to the part in Isaiah where God does declare brand new things that have not been declared before uh, to these people. He said, look, here's a new thing being declared. Not all things are declared. When it's talking about the beginning, it's not the beginning of all creation, a, a formless declaration of the void that no one hears. It's when God starts to do something, he declares it, and then he does those things. And then, then you got the burn moment where you illustrate both that your opponent doesn't know the context, uh, that they reject the context, and that uh, there's there's better ways of reading the text, all those things, and then you make them look foolish for not not uh, being familiar with these things. So it, those are the burn moments. Text. The text says God declares the end from the beginning. How about this? How about this? God declared a world from the end to the beginning where His creatures have free will. Refute me, because I can go in the Bible and show you the creatures have free will. 
So the fact that it says the end from the beginning, we know that this world had a beginning. We know that this world will have an end. And we know that within the world, our creatures have free will. And we know that God can intervene. So this text doesn't harm us. This text helps us. So, but, but, but I want to get to this. I want to get to this point. What is the straw man? We're not so, attacking yeah, a straw man. Well, well, What's the straw man? No, no, no. All right. All right. So I'm trying to explain to you guys because I explained this, I, th I think, twice already. Maybe you guys. In their mind, explaining a text is the same thing as arguing for their position. Right? It's, it's, we, we might be completely confused. JP is completely confused by this saying, you bring this text to us and it, it it's just a text that affirms our position to what's going on here. And the Calvinists just keep insisting over and over, hey, we we explain this text to you. They that's like they can't comprehend the fact that them explaining how they read a text is not the same thing as arguing that that's the actual interpretation of that text. It's a it's a funny thing to watch play out. It's just didn't hear me or you know just clustered, but the the problem that we're having here is what you're saying. What you guys are focusing on is the micromanaging of God somehow, some way trying to control you like a robot in every little robust thing that you do what we're saying is god today woke you up this morning right he, de he decreed for you to be here today to get on this live stream right mm -hmm. and every action you do he enabled you to do by putting you in the position to make the choice to do it he's still taking that choice according to his will and he's still navigating it and using it for his perfect will that that's what i'm trying to that's that's overall what we're trying to say it's not a matter of where you will okay so the will duffy debate about timelessness is so classic because the timelessness guy um he does this calvinist thing where he has talking points about certain texts that don't prove his position but he just explains how he interprets those texts in in the context of timelessness and will duffy just presses him on it and says and says basically, how does that view, how does that verse mean your view? The verse doesn't even say that in your view. You're just grabbing a text and just assuming it means timelessness. Whereas a face value reading, it's not about timelessness. It's about time delineated things, right? Yeah, was and is and is to come. Those are all tenses. It's not timelessness, right? That's the opposite of that thing. And so the guy's getting frustrated and the guy's like, I already explained to you how you read those verses in light of uh, timelessness. And Will Duffy's just like, yeah, but my problem is none of them actually argue for timelessness. None of them are about timelessness. You have no proof text. You got nothing. It's, it's the best part of the debate. And the guy's getting flustered because it's like he's never ran into a situation in which people actually just said, none of your proof texts prove the thing that you're trying to claim. None of them do. Your your view is just not biblical. It's a view that you just read into the Bible uh, out of desperation and then find texts that you could just talk to. It's not in the Bible, though. Oh, it was it was such a funny interaction. I, I do got the clip of that somewhere. And so maybe I could pull that up. But we are getting to pretty late. So maybe I could Google that real quick and maybe it'll come up. Will Duffy timelessness. I don't know if uh, it's going to be. Oh man. Uh if I got that clip somewhere, what would I call it? Oh, but maybe I'll just do a search on Duffy on on uh, my channel. That might actually pull it up and uh we'll see. Uh 
That's not pulling up the things I need. But it's just a little clip. Why the YouTube search is just terrible. It just doesn't doesn't pull up things that are in the title where where you'd expect it to pull up. Timelessness. Oh man. <laughs> All right. It's it's somewhere. I'll have to pull it up for another time. But uh in these ways, we'll, we'll cut there. It's an interesting debate. I, I don't think these people are well-versed in the material. I don't think they've interacted much with the other side, both sides. It, it seems kind of amateurish. And uh, the unnecessary hostility was actually pretty funny. I don't think the Calvinists did a very good job. I don't know if these guys actually know Calvinism that well. It does not appear that they do. Oh, maybe, maybe proof text. I got to go pull up proof text. That might, that might pull it up. Oh man. Oh, here it is. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm dying. I'm dying. Oh man. I, I entitled this. I, I put it, um, Jeremy Howard insists we ignore his proof text wording because they really teach us theology. <sighs> Oh, oh, this is so good. I'm just pointing out that your proof texts show God is in time. <laughs> they don't show God as being outside of time. And so uh, what I've found is a lot of people will be like, hey, God's outside of time. Here's all these verses. And if we actually just look at them, they actually don't say that God's outside of time. They show that he's temporal. Because he declares the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things that have not been done, that proves that he is living a temporal existence exactly like ours. Yeah, yeah, I'd finish the verse saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. That's future tense. He will do what he wants to do. He hasn't and done how, it. Yet. But how does that conflict with the view that God is both transcendent and imminent, as I presented in my opening statement? How does that, how is that a conflict for me? Well, he, he just doesn't get it. This guy is like credentialed. I, he's, he's got all the degrees. Uh, he, he might be like a, an author and things like that. He just mentally doesn't understand that he doesn't have any proof texts. It, it's like he's never been called on this before and he's getting called publicly. Because you haven't shown from the Bible that God is outside of time. You've only I am shown right here by saying outside of time, he's decreeing what he's going to do. And then inside of time, he's doing it. He's transcendently declaring and he's imminently doing. So this doesn't say that God decreed anything outside of time. It actually refers to the, the beginning. So there is no end in and beginning from, in timelessness. What, so in the beginning, of course, is a phrase that, you know, is found in Genesis 1.1, John 1.1. What do you take that to mean, particularly in John 1, 1? In the beginning was the Word, Word was with God, and the Word was God. What is John trying to communicate about the beginning? Uh, what's being communicated is the beginning of creation. But, right. I mean, I, I mean, he's not, well, he gets there in verse 3, I think. But before he gets there, he's speaking of an existence of the Word with God, the Logos with God. And that's not at creation. Yeah, so he, he says in verse 3, as you said, all things were made through him. So he's giving an account of the past, just like Moses did in Genesis, and it's in the beginning of creation, here's what happened. But again, your position is there there is no beginning. 
Well, um, you believe God has no beginning, right? Correct. So, I mean, we agree on that. Yes. And so if it says okay. in the beginning, <laughs> it's not referring to God, it's referring to something else. And if we read Genesis 1 and John 1, it's referring to the beginning of creation. But there was an existence of father and son together before creation. Yes, which proves that God is temporal. <laughs> Again, I disagree with your philosophical deduction there, but we are limited in our language to just say in the beginning to refer to times before times. Um, I mean, there, there really isn't a way that we could clearly articulate it to meet your standard, I don't think. It seems as though you're imposing a standard that's unwarranted. My, my standard is simply, where do we find in Scripture that, that God is outside of time? And we just don't. Everything that, uh, that I heard re read shows that God is in time. For example, you said in your opening statement, the Bible shows us God's response to sin. To respond to sin is something you can only do in time. Yes, he is imminent and he does respond to sin in time. Uh, I, I, just because I affirm his imminence, that doesn't mean it's to the exclusion of his transcendence. And I'm not sure why you're having a hard time accepting that theological because, position that's been put forth for centuries. Because it's extra biblical. <laughs> you, you have not established biblically that there's this thing called transcendence and imminence. That's the problem. Um, uh, <laughs> he's he's totally flabbergasted. He's he's never been called on this before. He thinks that just pointing out his talking point texts and explaining how he reads them is an actual argument. And no one's ever got into his face and said your verses don't say the things that they're claim that you're claiming that these verses say. And he doesn't know what to do with it. It's like the wheels aren't turning. There's there's something stuck in the wheels. Uh, he's, he get, becomes struck dumb. He can't comprehend having to actually defend his views in a way where he has to provide evidence that the Bible actually uh, states his philosophy. And so the, these, these, these debates about what the Bible actually says turn into uh, just absolute hilarity when people are forced to actually defend their position using actual arguments rather than a philosophical back and forth. You know, that's what Jeremy Howard, he, he probably thought he is signing up for, oh, you explain your philosophy and I explain mine and then we'll do philosophizing back and forth. He didn't expect Will Duffy to come in and say, none of these biblical authors had this conception in mind. It's just not in the text. None of your proof texts say anything like that. It's just not found in the text. Our standard is the Bible. He wasn't prepared for that. Nobody, nobody's in his entire academic career. He's never encountered this before. Oh, it is just absolutely glorious. And so I think that's what's happening a little bit to our Calvinist friends in that debate. They're just being confronted with the idea that their proof texts don't actually provide evidence for their belief and against their uh, the opposing beliefs. Like James White, when he was debating William Blake Craig, and he tries to use uh, Joseph and Joseph's brothers as uh, like a Calvinism proof text, and William Blake Craig says, that's just evidence for my belief. What, what's going on here? It's it's not evidence for your belief and against mine. What, what kind of debate is this? And James uh, White is just humiliated, and he's laughed at, and you see him, his look of agony in his face, uh, because he thinks of himself as so scholarly and he's being like publicly humiliated and laughed at. 
Oh, it's just, it just warms the heart. It's just so good. Anyways, uh, we'll cut there. Everyone, uh, thanks for listening. If you got questions or comments, put that down below or start a thread on the God is Open Facebook page.